Welcome back to the What's Inside podcast, the podcast where we see inside of the mind of some of what I think are the most interesting people that I know. And today we have a very, very interesting one. So this is Jeff Wilson from the Sports Card Investor. By day, he is an investor in tech companies. And by night, he has a YouTube channel and he invests in sports cards. But not only that, teaches people around the world how to properly invest in the sports card market, which is a great timing. He started doing this about a year and a half, two years ago, and since then has grown his YouTube channel to a big level, but also has released some really cool resources for people. He's got the Sports Card Investor app, which is a place for free where you where they track the prices of all of the different players well, a bunch of the different players. You can look them up, different cards. Kobe Bryant, there's probably like 50 different cards of Kobe Bryant, and you can look, and they take eBay sold items, and they put it in there, and you can see the chart of what the value is. Super resourceful. There's also a Market Movers app that he has or on the website where you can actually track your own cards, get alerts on different cards, get inside scoop on different cards that are trending or are hot, connect with people in there. So anyway, Jeff is kind of a mad genius when it comes to the sports card market. And what I think right now is one of the top people in all the sports card market. So today, whether you know a lot about sports cards or not, you're going to hear some interesting stories, I think, about business, about being a YouTuber, and also about some sports players. I think we go deep on some players and some different things that are happening. So anyway, there's your intro. That's what's happening. Jeff, th welcome to the podcast. Dan, it's great to be here. Really appreciate it. We've had some fun today. We've done some random yeah. things. <laughs> yeah, we filmed some great videos. I'm excited to see them on your channel. We're taking apart sports cards and looking at what's inside. It's 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 creative stuff. We actually destroyed it. Now, I've, I was a little worried because there's one YouTuber, if you want to call him that, this guy that burnt a sticker oh, yes. for uh, this Vegas I'm, guy. I, know, and I, know. I watched that and I'm like, what do you? Right. He's like, the Why? market is going to yes. crash in two years. Uh, I know. And I didn't want it to come off that way. Yes. And I feel like no, we did a good no, job, no, right? No, no, no. Yes. We're not a big fan of that guy here. <laughs> no, no, no. I think, I think we, we, we did it for scientific reasons. We wanted yeah. to see how the card was put together. Certainly destroying sports cards is not something that I would ever typically do. I love them. I collect them. I own a ton of them. Uh, but it was really cool to break one open and actually see how it was made. Yeah, I think it was informative. It was good. But what we also did is we looked at his card collection, which here we probably had like two, three million dollars worth of cards. But you have other cards also in other places that we didn't even see today because obviously we don't have four hours for a YouTube video. But how big do you think your collection is overall? Uh, it's probably upwards of a, maybe four or five million dollars total. Um, the, <laughs> some, some of it I, I, you know, buy and sell routinely. Got it. Uh, and that's so the cards that, you know, aren't here are ones that I might have up for sale, that type of thing. But then I've also got my core collection, which we went a lot through today, which are cards that I just like, I'm holding on it to was these amazing. cards. I love them. Some I amazing them. cards. Could you imagine two years ago that you would have a card collection that's that valuable? No. <laughs> There's no way. No. The market has just, it's gone up almost <laughs> tenfold in a lot of places, right? Yeah. It's yeah. insane. So I've, I'm newer to the sports card market. I love sports. I've liked, I've liked sports for years. Some people have questioned how much I love sports because I think I was on somebody's podcast the other day and I was, we pulled cards and I was pulling them. I'm like, who's this guy from the Celtics? I never heard of him. And everybody's like, you must not like sports because you don't know that one player. Yeah. I don't, maybe I don't know every player, but I do love sports. I love the jazz. I love the NBA. There's some baseball players I like, but um, your teams, you live in Atlanta, mm -hmm. but you have an interesting mix of teams. You love the Florida Gators. Oh, I do. I'm a Florida Gator grad, which isn't popular up here in Georgia. Go figure, oh, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yes, I, so I, I collect, you know, Florida Gator players, Tim Tebow, of course, not, not for an investment, right? Because their careers are, his career is not, well, doing anything these days. He's now officially retired from baseball uh, as well as football. 
Uh, but um, but he's you know I, I loved collecting. But then in terms of the pro teams up here, you've got you know obviously the Hawks, which are an exciting team. You got Trey Young and some other great young players on that team, like John Collins and Cam Reddish and others, uh, DeAndre Hunter. So, and I actually own a bunch of their cards. It's fun to be able to go to the game, see these guys play. But in some cases, uh, I also think they make pretty worthwhile investments. You've got Acuna with the Braves, which is great as well. Uh, the Falcons, uh, they've been a little down recently. We'll see what the Falcons do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, they've got some they got some talent on that team still, obviously, Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley and others. So I've had one run-in with Tim Tebow. That's it. And uh, it's kind of an interesting one. So for those of you that don't know, I was born in the Philippines. I was born in Manila. I don't look mm. Filipino because I'm not, like, by blood. But my parents lived there for about three years. My dad is a structural engineer building buildings. And then when Tim Tebow was doing really mm-hmm. well in college, I saw all these backstories and I guess he lived in the Philippines and his parents were like missionaries yep. or something. Yep. And so I'm like, man, we've got this connection. So one day I'm in the Salt Lake airport and I'm flying on a Delta flight. I'm flying from Phoenix to Salt Lake and I go to get on the plane and I see this guy that's getting on before me in first class. And I was like, that looks like Tim Tebow. I mean, he had like a little disguise on a little bit, had like a hat on, but I'm like, that looks like Tim. He wasn't as tall as I thought he would be, but I was like, that's Tim Tebow. And so he gets on the plane and as I walk on, I look over and he kind of looks up at me like, does this guy recognize me? I hope he doesn't. I've worked for the drug company at the time and I was just wearing my business clothes and he looks up. I'm like, oh, that's totally him. He's in seat 1A. And so I go to the back seat in the economy. And at the time you could get free internet if you were in first class instead of paying like the $10 or whatever. So we take off and I'm like, I really want to get on the internet. I was like, now I can see if this really is Tim Tebow. So I go on to the Delta Wi-Fi and it's like, what seat are you sitting in? And I said, seat 1A, my name's Tim Tebow. And it says, welcome, Mr. Tebow. Enjoy your free internet. So Tim Tebow (laughs) gave me free internet on a Delta flight. (laughs) That's a good story. (laughs) And then afterward... I'm a, I was a weirdo. I followed him a little bit and he went to um, this little shake and burger place. And I was like, well, I'm going to get a shake and a burger too. So I get in line. I just ordered a shake. Even though I lived there, he was clearly on like a layover going somewhere else. And so, and then as we're waiting for our food, I'm like, hey, Tim, I love you. great job at football. I said, hey, funny side note, we're both from the Philippines. Both, I was born there. And he just like looks at me like, Okay, weirdo. And then that was it. That was the end of the conversation. I'm like, I'm a weird fan. I'm like, hey, I was born in the same place. Like, what is he supposed to say to that? Of course, he didn't have an answer to that. Like, we were born in the same place. So anyway, that's my one awkward run in with Tim Tebow. It well, was- he's he's uh, he seems by all accounts to be a very, very nice guy. I've, I've For sure. saw him around Gainesville a few times, never had much interaction with him but um he by all accounts seems to be just a great dude he reminds me a lot of Taysom Hill from BYU Mm -hmm. and there were a lot of comparisons to those two like will Taysom Hill ever be successful because Tim Tebow wasn't as successful Mm -hmm. even though he made it to the playoffs he did well but he never got that chance Mm -hmm. and now Taysom just got a big contract he's still in the league but he's super fit a lot of people people have said um, you shouldn't, he shouldn't be a quarterback. He should be. Yeah. Tebow could have done it. I know. Safety or something. He did do it. Tebow had that great year with the Broncos and just a magical year. So at least he had that. At least he had that. I think he, I think it's unfortunate that he didn't have another chance after that. I think he deserved one. I think Mm -hmm. he needed one, but at least he has that. Yeah. Really good guy. Okay. So you like the Florida Gators. We have established that Tim Tebow, Florida Gators. Tell me about the, I love your intro. It's one of the most professional intros. We'll play it on the YouTube side. If you're watching this on YouTube, you'll be able to see like part of his intro, but tell me what you mean by like you invest in tech companies by day. What is, what is your job? Yeah. Well, so I, uh, first and foremost, I own a growth agency called three, five, two. We help companies with their digital marketing strategy and we help them with their, you know, web development, software development, discovering 
new revenue opportunities within the digital world. So we help a lot of companies with growth. Uh, done that for many, many years. We get a bunch of employees, three offices, uh, that type of thing. Through that experience, um, I have seen a lot of you know new products be brought to market, uh, seen what works, see what doesn't work, that type of thing. So um, I started investing in startups and, and have started a number of startups on my own. So it's wow. mainly it's mainly tech startups. Um, and I will, I here in Atlanta, there's Atlanta Tech Village, there's a Tech Stars program, there's incubators a- around the city. Uh, and so I will mentor often or, or have different involvement with those and just kind of keep an eye on the startup activity that's happening. I don't do, I'm not a, uh, you know, venture capitalist that's doing tons of deals every single day, but I will selectively look for investment opportunities, companies that I believe in, uh, make angel investments in them and then, and then help them, you know, hopefully flourish and grow. So you've had this successful business career and then like a year and a half ago, you start making videos about sports cards. Yeah. What does your wife say at this point? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I know that's funny, right? It was about two years ago. I think at first she thought I was probably going through a midlife crisis. I mean, I had just turned 40 and all of a sudden I get re-obsessed with sports cards again, like I was when I was a little kid, when I was just sports card, you know, just nuts with sports cards. Um, but the thing is, I got back into sports cards uh, because my son, uh, Reeves, bought a pack of cards when he was down visiting his, his my mom uh, a, a few years back. And so Reeves brought the cards back and I'm like, man, I haven't seen these cards for years. Like I, I didn't even, I actually didn't even know they made cards anymore. Wow. And I'm like, oh, I've still got all my old cards. And so, of course, I pull them out and the nostalgia hits. But the second I start getting back into it, I take Reeves to go buy more cards. I instantly look at the cards, the way they're making them these days. And I say, oh, my gosh, this is going to be huge again. There's business opportunity written all over this. This market is going to take off. It is going to explode. There is going to be a wave of people who were card collectors as children who are now in their 30-somethings, 40-somethings, and they're going to get back into it again, and they're going to find, and and this time around, they're going to find it to be more exciting and compelling. There's so many things that are driving it now. Obviously, you've got social media, you've got YouTube, you've got, uh, you know, digital tools like our Sports Card Investor app. You've got all kinds of things that just kind of help fuel online breaking is a huge thing where people can watch boxes and packs be broken in real time live on on youtube live streams and they could buy into the the packs instantly you know i could drop 50 bucks and watch the guy on youtube break open my pack and then he mails me all the cards and they come in the mail you know a few days later i mean that kind of stuff is just fueling the growth of this and and a few years ago all of that was happening but there wasn't a lot of attention being paid to it Hmm. and i said this is going to take off and and so you know from there i i started the show and started building out different products in the space and your wife is like cool with it from the beginning or was she a little hesitant at first? She was, she, like, was she, she was a little hesitant. She, she, well, my wife has always been very supportive of my different entrepreneurial things. like my wife. So she, I mean, over the years I've started so many different companies have done so many different things that she has grown kind of used to and accustomed. And she's an entrepreneur of her own. She started now a couple of companies. Oh, one, wow. one has gone on to become extremely successful. She got acquired by a fortune 500 company. And so, um, so she, she gets the entrepreneurial thing. But, you know, at first when I said I want to create a YouTube show, she was like, why a YouTube? Like, why are you doing a YouTube (laughs) show? And my thesis on the YouTube show, and this actually, in retrospect, worked out beautifully well. I said, look, I think sports cards are going to be the next big thing. 
And I've got ideas for apps and for websites and for digital price guides, our market movers price guide that I could create and put out there. I said, but I said, let me first, before I start building all this software and apps and all, and putting all this investment in, let me first start a YouTube show because if the YouTube show can gain traction, if it can gain following, it does two things for me. The first is it validates there's a market. Now I actually know people care about this the way that I care about this. It validates what I'm trying to do. Second of all, it gives me a free marketing channel for any product, app, business that I want to launch into the sports card space forever. So when I told her that strategy, she was a little more on board with it at that point. And, and, and that's how I started. And I started doing the YouTube show and the YouTube show took off. It it started really gaining gaining followership. And it was about three or four months in to doing the YouTube show. I think I had just, um, I I think some of my videos were just hitting like 10,000 views for the first time. And that's when I said, okay, I validated the market. This is going to keep going. Now I need to start building the app and I need to start building the products and figuring out how I'm going to, you know, monetize here. See, now the interesting thing is I remember watching a bunch of your videos early on and I would see the videos and I would hear you talk about the sports card investor app. And because it was in a lot of the videos that when I started watching, I was like, ah, it's probably just not, it's just something that he's getting paid to do. It's probably not good. (laughs) It's probably not good at all. And then one day when I started getting more cards, I'm like, I need to know the value of this. There's no real easy way. I hate going onto eBay and searching for sold items. It takes forever. I'm like, all right, I'll download his app. And then I downloaded it. It was free. I was surprised by that. And then the amount of data in there and how easy it is to look for trends and to see the charts. And I've even purchased things through clicking, like seeing the ones that are for sale with the little green thumb. Yep. I'm like, okay. So it's a legitimate app that actually adds value. It's not like, yes, you started it knowing that you're going to create some things that you could end up monetizing and doing well, but it actually provides a lot of value to people. So anyway, kudos to you for making well, something that's super valuable. A lot of the best business ideas come from solving a problem. And a lot of times when I'm looking at startups that I'm trying to invest in, one of the very first things I assess is what is the problem this startup is solving and how painful of a problem is it? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times you find that startups are started by somebody who has a good, they, you know, they've got a, a fancy creative business idea. It's a, it, 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 you know, it sounds, it sounds like something. But then when you really dig in and you're like, is this actually solving somebody's pain? Is someone's real pain? Like, is your product really going to make a difference in solving somebody's pain? A lot of times the answer is actually no. Like, it's mm. a nice to have. It's not a must have. And I, it is scary to invest in a company that's not really solving a pain point. Because if you... Because because then that is a throwaway product. That is a a nice to have. It's not. It's you yeah. know your your bigger investments, your better investment opportunities are often from the companies that are solving a real problem. In the sports card world, the problem was it was very hard to understand the actual value of cards. And if you you didn't know what your own cards were worth, and if you wanted to go buy cards. Uh, you didn't know what a fair price to pay was. And so I said, I've got to solve that problem. And and I tried to solve that through the Sports Card Investor app. And I tried to solve that through Market Movers, which is kind of our, our, our you know, much more in-depth dashboard system, right. which shows you all the price charts in, in a ton of detail, almost like a stock trading system for sports cards. And I think we've done an effective job at solving that problem. And that's why, as you just said, like you were having that, you know, you were having that issue and then you downloaded the app and it made the process easier. That's mm-hmm. what I want to hear because that that to me means, hey, we've we've solved a legitimate issue that existed. That's good. Now, the market has been interesting. For those of you that haven't been following as well, 
um, what's happened through through COVID. As soon as COVID hit, like the market kind of went down a, for a couple of weeks, and then all of a sudden people are home. They have stimulus money. They're not spending money on travel. They're not spending money on their gas. They get to work from home now. They're not eating out all as much. And they have all this money to buy things and they could just go on eBay and buy stuff all of a sudden. And then the people that do trade cards a lot are not going to card shows anymore because they don't happen because you don't get groups in places. It's hard to keep six feet, feet distance and from people when you're trading cards. So the market has exploded like crazy. One of the, one of the theories like, that I have recently I've been thinking about is it seems like now that the card shows are coming back and there's a lot more people out trading cards, it seems weird to me that like eBay is the place that determines the comp for every single thing. Like you go to eBay. Well, this last eBay comp sold at this price. I wish there was another way because now all these people are just trading in person. You're not seeing the values. You're not seeing the prices where before it was so transparent because everybody was forced to go onto like my slabs or, or eBay. And now people, and I wonder if that has anything to do with the market actually going down a little bit because people are just waiting for these shows and trading there. So some of the only ones you see online are just some of the people that maybe aren't as savvy as some of like your main investors, like Sasha T, like all these people that are actually flipping lots of cards. They're not doing it on eBay anymore. So sometimes I feel like the eBay comps are not as realistic or maybe that's hurting the market a little bit. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that take? Well, yeah, I mean, that's... I eBay does such an incredible transaction volume, incredible transaction volume. The number of, you know, the amount of volume that's done at a sports card show, it is dwarfed. That's, that's a good point. Even, even in the same weekend, the sports card shows going on, eBay's doing multiples of what's happening at that sports card show. Um, so, you know, it's, it's um, yes, it would be, it would be wonderful for us to be able to have more data sources. And it's something at Sports Card Investor that we talk about. How do we get more data sources around the sale of sports cards? But at this moment, eBay is still the 800-pound gorilla. For there sure. are other other sites that have come along. Um, you know, We've talked about, can we integrate with some of these other sites and, and that type of thing? We probably will in the future. And, and maybe we can even pull in sales that that take place in other means. But, but at the moment, eBay has the most transaction volume. So you get the, the most truest sense of the market by looking at eBay completed yeah, sales. That makes sense. Another topic that I don't hear a lot of people talk about as much, but I want to talk about NBA Top Shot and kind yeah. of get your thoughts NFTs, on it. Yeah, it's I've big. been trying to get it. I want it's, it's okay. It's, I, I equate it to NASCAR. I always bashed on NASCAR about how dumb it was. And then I stopped for a while and I'm like, you know, I should go to a race first before I form my opinion. So I did. I went to a race with my father-in-law. We only went to half of the race. And while we were there, before they even started the race and they're just going around, I'm like, I get it now. This is great. NBA Top Shot, I've been trying to buy a pack for the last month and a half. And there's always way too many people. I haven't gotten one yet. Seeing the volume of people that are on there, the number of people buying packs and trading them. Um, I, I don't have the same feeling when I have that pack in my, or I, I, you look, I did buy a couple, like a couple Donovan Mitchell shots and I'm like, cool, I own that. Don't really know what that means that I own this thing. So I don't know. What's your thoughts on NBA Top Shot and like how maybe it's affecting positive or negative on the card market? NBA Top Shot is huge. I think NBA Top Shot is going to be extremely big for a very long time to come. And part of the reason why I think that First of all, the product is compelling. I, like you, prefer the physical card. So I'm never I'm never going to try to build up a multi-million dollar NBA Top Shot collection the same way that I have a multi-million dollar sports card collection. I'm not going to do that because I personally enjoy the physical collecting aspect of the card. However, there's a whole generation of people who 
are very much into the digital collecting who see that as potentially the future. There are, cert there are certainly advantages to the digital form of collecting in that you can buy and sell much more quickly. You know, ownership can change hands in a matter of seconds. And there's not, you know, you don't deal with, you know, damage and shipping fees and, and uh, you know, all these, you know, return policies and all that kind of stuff that you can deal with when you're buying, you know, buying cards that can become a problem, especially if you're doing it from like a flipping standpoint. Um, but most importantly, there is so much money being invested into NBA Top Shot right now. They just closed a funding round of over $250 million at a valuation of $2 billion. Wow. And, and those might be round numbers. Yeah. I might not be 100% precise, but it, the numbers were around those numbers. Mm -hmm. And Michael Jordan invested, Kevin Durant invested, uh, Austin Kutcher invested. Um, a, lo a lot of big names, celebrities, athletes were involved in this. So that's so much money and so much star power that that alone is gonna make them relevant for a very, very right. long time to come. Um, the one thing that scares me a little bit about it is the licensing side of it makes a lot of sense for the NBA. Every time there's a transaction, the, the player is making money off of it, which is fantastic for the player. That For the 10 years from now, somebody might buy the Donovan Mitchell dunk that I have, what I sell it for $5 to somebody or $500. Donovan's going to get a cut of that. And so from that aspect, I feel like that's something that over the years has kind of been a pain point for the NBA and the Major League Baseball or whoever. You're selling the 2003 Topps Chrome packs for, was it like $2.99 back in the day mm -hmm. for one little pack? And now that's selling for over $1,000. Or the, or the we looked at one of your LeBrons earlier. You probably, you could have bought it. You could sell it right now for, say, $100,000 for a LeBron James. LeBron's not making any money from that. Nope. The NBA is making no money from that. And so do we potentially see in the future, like all of a sudden the NBA saying, you know what, Panini, you've been great, but because we don't make any money in the secondary market and that's where these values are going up, we're just going to license our stuff to NBA top shots and digital stuff. And we're not even going to give the license to card stores anymore. Do you think that could ever be a possibility? No, I don't think they're going to do that because there's such a long history of sports cards. I mean, you know, and so many fans like me like to collect sports cards. Yeah. Um, I think sports cards will continue to exist. And, and plus, they're making plenty of money off of their license deal with Panini. Trust me. Okay, that's good. Uh, and, so, and when that comes up for renewal, trust me, that license fee is going to go up, I'm sure, um, you know, multiples of where it is today. Um, but, but that said, yeah, there's a lot of advantages to them with digital collecting. You, they, can, they can take the long-term cut. The players can take the long-term cut, as you said. So I absolutely think they're going to continue to pour more and more effort into whether it's Top Shot or other types of partnerships or offerings like that. I absolutely think that's going to be a massive thing for them. I'm surprised other sports haven't got into it. Um, uh, oh, they will. Like, they will. I mean, part of the big funding round that Top Shot just got was because the parent company Dapper Labs is going after right now. They're negotiating for a license for NFL, NHL, Major League Baseball, soccer. Wow. And, and there's other companies that are trying to pop up to get those licenses as well. So they're, you know, they're all doing the bidding at the moment. Um, Can and you imagine owning like the the knockout punch for some big Conor McGregor fight? Sure. Or like when Mike Tyson bit Evander Holyfield's ear and you like own that moment. I don't know, that's when I think of that's like the last boxing match I've watched. But <laughs> like there's, there's certain moments I can see in that aspect where it's like, yes, that would be a cool moment to own. It's, it's cool. Know. It's all very, very cool. My hope, you had asked, how is this gonna affect the sports card market? Mm -hmm. um, I do think some money, when, when Top Shot got extremely popular over the last few months, I do think some money 
from from probably more so the flippers has shifted from sports cards to top shot we have seen in the sports card market that the modern cards have been very very flat for the most part for the last few months they've not seen yet the typical uptick in value that you might expect to see as the playoffs are approaching some of that money some of the reason why the cards may be flat is because some of that money's gone over to top shot as opposed to fueling the growth growth of sports cards however i think in the long term any form of collecting is good for other forms of collecting so i think in the long term more people getting into top shot just means that more people will also get into cards because yeah. some people may say like, oh, this Top Shot thing's really cool and I made a few bucks with it, but wow, I'd like to actually, instead of spending that money on a digital highlight, I'd like to actually own the card of a player. So they may hop over from Top Shot to cards and get into cards that way. So I, I'm, I'm optimistic yeah. about any and every form of collectibles you know, sports that collectibles. Successful. Yeah. That's good. Maybe there'll be a combination in the future of like physical card and a top shot that you own. Oh, I'm sure. The NFT that you 100%. own. 100%. I'm sure that kind That's of stuff good. is is absolutely got to be coming. Okay. Top shots. Good conversation. One conversation I want to talk about was the news yesterday of PSA, that, which is the grading service that is the king of everything. They've been super slow. They've had like, they, they have 10 million cards in their backlog because everybody's sending them in. If you get a PSA 10, all of a sudden your card just went up in value a ton. In fact, uh, last week I took 60 cards for, that I opened from some packs and I went, well, I had lots of cards, but I took 60 of them that I thought were the best ones that could have value. Looked at them on the market or on the Sports Card Investor app to see what a PSA 10 would be. I put them in the sleeves, I filled out the online form, and I sent them to your grading service that you use with a card shop that's local and um, mailed it to them. It arrived on Monday. <laughs> so they just got it. Probably yesterday they started looking at it, and so those cards will not be submitted. They may, they, unfortunately, they may not be. It's, I it's, might have to drive over there. Now that I'm in Atlanta, that, I might have to go there tomorrow and be cards. like, hey, can I have my cards back? Yeah, well, we, I, first of all, I appreciate using our grading service. Thank you. It's a very good service. The, the group, uh, it's a local card shop in Atlanta who we partnered with on it. They do a fantastic job. But they were absolutely blindsided by the news. I talked to the owner of the card shop last night, and his rep at PSA was blindsided by the news. PSA's internal employees was not told that this was happening. So every single submitter out there from card shops to auction houses, they were all surprised when that news broke. And yeah, it's it's causing a lot of bad ripple effect of of people like yourself who had a bunch of cards ready to go to PSA and had in some cases that already shipped them off to start getting processed and now now it's going to be, you know, I guess three months till they're going to open back up, yeah. you know, supposedly or something of that nature. Some of mine were um, really nice, flawless De'Aaron Fox cards. Mm-hmm. There are three of them that I think are really good. And they, he's inching his way up. They're about to get that 10th spot. They might yeah. even get up to like the eighth or the seventh yeah. spot for the playoffs. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, in a couple months, you'd love them back. Let's sell these. Sure, so you'd love them back for the get, play. Yeah. Like short yeah. term. That's yeah. a tricky one. But yeah. uh, I mean, what do you think long term effect this is going to have on the card market, if any? I don't think it will probably have a lot of long-term effect. I think for the next three months, you're going to hear a lot of people saying like, oh, this is going to destroy PSA and we're going to take all of our business to SGC, which by the way is the same thing people said last April when both PSA and Beckett had to close down due to COVID closures. 
and SGC was the only grading company that was open. And there were tons of people back then who said, this is going to kill PSA. All of our business is going to SGC. And a ton of people sent their cards to SGC. SGC then got so overwhelmed with their own backlog that their wait times became worse than PSAs. <laughs> and so the, and now everybody, oh, now, now a lot of these people hate SGC because they're like, oh, those guys, they were supposed to have quick turnaround and they became worse than PSA. Okay, great. Yeah. Now, a lot of these same people are beating their drum and they're going to be like, oh, PSA is dead. We're going to go back to SGC or we're going to go to, you know, uh, some of the new ones that have popped up recently, like HGA or, or uh, there's uh, the comic book company, uh, CSG. There's uh, all these, you know, ones that have come along. Of course, you got Beckett. That's that's the most, you know, mm -hmm. long term established of them. But but even they have an incredible backlog. I think for the next few months, it's going to be inconvenient and people aren't going to love it. And then I think at some future point in time, uh, when PSA is back up and running again, and hopefully their processes and systems are better, and uh, you're able to you know better track where your cards are in the process and understand what their wait times are and all that kind of stuff, I think everyone's going to return to PSA. I'm really hoping. This sounds weird, but I'm really hoping that PSA takes their prices and like quadruples them. Like, let's make it so that you you don't get graded a card that. Maybe if it gets graded, you'll make an extra $15 off of it. Like, let's give it the cards that are going to be super valuable. And I mean, they have the demand, obviously. 10 million cards on the backlog. Like, just raise your prices. Make it so that it's actually cards that are going to be super valuable that you submit instead of this, like, super low price. I know they just raised their prices, but I don't know that it was enough. I mean, they got all these cards right after they raised prices. Yeah, it clearly wasn't enough. And I think they raised their prices. They almost doubled their prices. Or in some cases, they more than doubled their prices in an attempt to slow down the crazy onslaught of cards, people overreacted to that as well. In fact, on my YouTube channel, I said, you know, people were saying, what's your opinion about them doubling their price? There were so many people that were like, the sky is falling, no one's ever gonna submit to PSA. And I'm like, this isn't gonna change anything. The economics of it are all still gonna balance out. It may just make the PSA cards a little more valuable in the marketplace as a result of the fact that grading fee is a little higher now. Yeah. It's just not gonna change anything. People are still gonna submit their cards to PSA. PSA is still king. Makes sure sense. enough, it didn't change anything. People kept submitting their cards to PSA and then PSA had to say, oh wait, that didn't change anything. <laughs> so now we just gotta shut down. We're taking a break yeah. from it. Yeah, right. that's funny. But yeah, it is, it is wild to think though about like as a business owner, it is wild for me to think about any company having to literally shut their doors from considering taking on new clients or new orders of any type because they are so busy. They just shut their doors. You know, I mean, that's that's yeah. not common business philosophy. Maybe you could say, well, hey, that maybe what maybe it is the right thing for them to do versus letting their backlog become 18 months, 24 months, yeah. you know, Maybe it's the right thing for them to do, but it's a while to think about that a company would do that. It is super wild, especially considering how big Top Shot is getting right now. Mm -hmm. NBA Top Shot is taking off. I mean, if NBA Top Shot takes off too much, like you don't grade that. It is what it is. You've got the serial number. Like you said, it doesn't get damaged. That does hurt the PSA, the, the grading companies. And like all of a sudden that's taking off. All these big investors are going into there and then PSA just shuts down. But I mean, they have plenty of cards and we're going to still use them. I think you're totally right. I would way rather have a PSA 10 than an SGC anything. Yeah. <laughs> I'd rather have a, S a PSA 9 than an SGC anything. So, okay. Let's talk about a few cards here real quick. We've got, I've got a few cards of players. We've talked about Donovan Mitchell a lot, I think, on our videos. So we won't go into him too much more. Um, let's talk about the B Lonzo Ball. So I've got a Lonzo Ball card here. You are a big fan of the Ball family. We did a video <laughs> where we took apart uh, one of his shoes, the Big Baller brand, which now I think he wears Nikes, which is cool. Right. Um, what do you think, 
fast forward predictions here. Where do you think he is this next NBA season? Well, so so here's the funny thing with Lonzo Ball. I I was never honestly like a Lonzo Ball fan. I per se, I found his dad to be frankly quite obnoxious when he was starting the big baller <laughs> yeah. brand, everything like that. But I, on one of my very early videos, like the second video I ever created, I did this whole analytical breakdown of every sports card that was available on the market. Mm -hmm. And I did this kind of cross-referencing of different data and determined that I thought at that moment in time, Lonzo Ball was the number one best sports card investment by value, by value, based on what his cards were selling at, which was low compared to um, what a lot of the advanced analytics said about his uh, potential career prog progression. So I declared him number one. By the way, I had Donovan Mitchell, very highly rated oh, nice. in that as then. well. And that's why at that moment, I bought a lot of Donovan Mitchell cards. Uh, and the, the Donovan Mitchell cards have done a lot better than the Lonzo Ball cards. I had Jason Tatum very highly rated uh, as well. And I bought a lot of Jason Tatum cards. Those have all done very well. The Lonzo cards have done, they've gone up, but they haven't done as well as Jason Tatum or, or Donovan Mitchell. His career has not taken off to that same extent. But the, the thing is now people needle me over that video. They needle me over that prediction that <laughs> okay. I made. And so it's kind of turned into a running joke with the audience about sense. Lonzo. But I have fun with it. I lean into it. In fact, we just did a whole April Fool's video about me leaning into the Lonzo so ball great. thing. But in terms of what I actually think about where he is now, I still think that there's potential there. Um, he has his shooting has improved a lot. Mm -hmm. He's 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 actually turned into a very good three point shooter. And it will be interesting to see where he lands next year. So he's likely not going to be back with the Pelicans. He's likely going to go to a different team. Oftentimes when players switch teams, if they go to a team that's considering an up-and-coming team or if they're a well-established team, often that move will create kind of a spike in that player's card prices. Um, so if he goes to a big team and, and, and some see him maybe as a missing element to help that team make a deep playoff run, get to the final, something like that, that's going to absolutely help his card prices. Now, For if sure. he goes to the Washington Wizards or the Minnesota Timberwolves, then his cards will probably drop the next day. Right. So it's a little bit of a risk. What's going to happen yeah. with him and his career from here? It's probably going to come down to a lot a lot of you know what team what team he goes to. I'm still going to hold on to some optimism uh, that you know he's going to go on to a, a good career. I think, th yeah, I love that. I love that take. I love that it's become a meme of your channel. Yes, it <laughs> like really has become Ball. the meme of the channel. <laughs> That's Me and so good. Ball. Yes. So the thing that I, I, I would love to see him go to the Clippers or the Lakers. He's an LA person. His dad has always said he's going to be in LA. So I feel like he's going to lean towards that. We'll see. And then I love what Magic Johnson said about him this last week. I don't know if you saw that, where he said that he has the best, the highest IQ of any point guard in the entire NBA. I, I did not see, that. see that. That makes me happy. Yeah, no, was, I didn't. Was, I didn't see that. Magic was on Johnson ESPN quote. with Stephen A. Smith, and we he got, full on said that he has the number one IQ of any point guard. We currently. gotta get this on social media. Why isn't this on? So we gotta put that. We gotta get this out there. People need to see this. That's <laughs> yep. funny. And so because of that, and because of all the hype and everything, everybody talking about it, um, I think the Pelicans can match his contract and add another year, whatever mm -hmm. somebody else mm -hmm. offers. But I, if it's if he gets if he's able to go to New York Knicks or the Clippers or the Lakers, I think he just takes it and doesn't care about the extra mm. year and goes there. It's interesting though because he's basically on an up and coming team. You got Zion Williamson. They are. You would think that they yep. would be really growing, but they're also struggling. They're starting to come on. Hot They've lately. had their moments. They've had their ups and downs. Yeah. Um, you know, but they and they, yeah, the Pelicans have a lot of future potential. Yeah. We'll, well see. There, it's going to be interesting. There's Lonzo Ball. I've got this card. It's my only. Actually, I own one other Lonzo Ball card that's that's at home. But um, okay. I'm not going to talk about that one. 
another Donovan here. What do you think about this guy? What do you think about Bryce Harper? Yeah, so I mean, obviously a little. Uh, oh, that's a nice car, by the way. Yeah, we a got a. Label? It's a black label. We that. got a black label. All tens, perfect tens on this guy. Look at that. So, um, yeah. So I'm holding a Bryce Harper 2002 rookie or 2012 rookie. Yeah. It's a black label. It's not the most rare, but yeah. Anyway, black well, label. Well, he obviously, you know, left <laughs> left Washington right at the wrong time. I feel bad for him yeah. because he had been so good with Washington for such a while. And then, you know, left, took the money, took the opportunity, thought that maybe he was going to a better situation in terms of ability to compete and, and everything. And then, of course, Washington wins the World Series brutal. the following year. So that's kind of brutal. <laughs> um, he he has definitely fallen a little bit out of the spotlight. And for that reason, uh, perhaps he's still a good investment. On, on my team here at Sports Card Investor, we have talks with our you know, uh, every day our team gets together and we talk about cards we're buying and that kind of stuff. And one of my guys uh, who pays a lot of attention to the baseball card market very, very closely, uh, Hammer, he's he's very high on Bryce Harper oh, this good. season. He's very high on him. He thinks that, he says, you know, I think Bryce Harper is going to get back into the spotlight. Uh, he thinks uh, the Phillies are going to be better. He thinks Harper is going to play better. He thinks that, you know, the they're going to kind of get a little momentum going again. Good, because that's the um, only baseball card I own. I, okay. own. I own two Bryce Harpers, and that's it. So he grew up in Las Vegas, Nevada. He belongs to the same church that we belong to, so he was kind of on the radar. Um, watched him. His swing was outrageous in high school. I remember when he got drafted, he was like the chosen one or something. Mm -hmm. They had some big article about him in Sports Illustrated. Yep, yep. But um, he just has this powerful swing. Um, but the last few years, he's been a little bit injured with his back, and supposedly he's in the best shape of his life. He's changed his throwing motion in the outfield so it doesn't hurt his back at all, so he can just go out there and hit. So hopefully they can do well because, I mean, the guy, he could have 40 or 50 home runs this year. Everybody's talking about all these other players, but he's only 28 years old. I mean, though he's been in the league for a long time, since 2012, I think. He still has, he's in the prime of his career. Yeah. So I don't know. I think he's a sleeper. That's why I bought a couple of his. It's good to hear that Hammer on your yeah. team thinks the same thing. And I think a lot of his reasoning is the same. I mean, this guy was, you know, many considered Harper to be one of the best few players in baseball mm -hmm. if you go back a few years ago. Yeah. And people, you know, I think people have just kind of forgotten that. He was out of the spotlight, you know, really a lot over the last year. And, and people just kind of forgot about how good he was and how he could be back to that again. Yeah, I love it. Okay, so what is coming up for you? What are you looking forward to over the next, say, six months on your YouTube channel? Are there, is there anything big that you're like, I'm excited for this or something else that's you're launching? I know you've launched a few products. Is there anything well, exciting? Well, yeah, about? one thing that's really cool, we just hired two full-time writers that their purpose is we're actually uh, going to bring our written content, our articles on sportscardinvestor.com. We want to get those up to the same quality as our YouTube channel. Oh, good. Um, and uh, some of the stuff we're doing on social media. We put a lot more investment into our Instagram and, and uh, Twitter recently as well. Um, and so uh, we want to become, a, we want to have really compelling sports card related content, news, information, advice across all formats. So whether you follow our website, subscribe to our email newsletter, whether you go on our YouTube, whether you follow us on social, whether you listen to our podcast, there's gonna be great content out there available for you in all areas. So that's that's very important. Nice. And then as we get later into the year, we're gonna do some special uh, kind of creative content series this year. So one thing that we're gonna do is we're gonna do a series where we go around and we look at really high-end card collections. Yes, just like what we did here. Just like what we did here. <laughs> but we're gonna go to other people who have perhaps even more significant collections, million, collections. Yes, yes. I would go find some ten million, twenty million dollar card collections and go look at those. Um, so we're going to do that, and then we also have uh, kind of a fun series we're going to be doing 
uh, where where we're going to kind of do a pack wars uh, type series like of, of opening packs against people and and you know kind of competing for who pulls the best cards out of them. That's going to be that's going to be an entertainment, uh, a lot of entertainment. Uh, and then we're also going to be at, at card shows. So we're going to be at the National Sports Card Sports Collectors Convention, which is in Chicago at the end of July. Uh, we're going to be doing content from there. Uh, and we're going to be at the next Dallas card show in May. Good. So we're going to be out and about a lot. Will finally, you have a booth with like cards for sale? Or are you just going to be no, there looking at things and buying we're, things? We're just going to be there covering the event. Um, we, you know, we're, we're not there to, to sell cards. We're there to really... I want to be able to bring the audience an inside look Perfect. of what's going on at the show, who the movers and shakers are, what people are talking about, what the buzz is, give people kind of an inside look at the show. So that's my goal. And we're going to have, I'll have a whole content team with me, especially when we go to the national, we're going to, we're, we're going to have at least a 10 person team. I heard that place uh, is massive. Yeah, it is. I've never been gonna... to a card show before, but that might be the first one I go to just yeah. to see what it's like. Oh, you should, you should, you should get a Chicago. It's uh, it, it is Last year when I walked in, or a couple years ago when I walked into it, um, you literally cannot see from one end of the show floor oh, to the other. my god! It is so long That's that lot. you can't see from one end to the other. And I, I was just like, whoa. Like, I spent three full days there and maybe by the end of the last day felt like I had gotten around to most of the booths that I wanted to see. And by the time after the third day, you go back to the tables you were on the first day, their entire inventory yeah, is probably sure. all changed. Yeah, they yeah. probably bought and they sold, sold and done yeah, things. You got it. That's incredible. Yeah. You might see the same card at like three tables in over yeah. the three days, the same exact one that they've probably, just like yeah. bought and sold yeah. as you go on. Yeah. That's insane. Okay. For the market, how do you feel for the next um, year or so? If somebody's somebody has a little bit of money, of money to spend right now, is there a certain area where you're like, I like these players? At the moment, I would go back to the iconic cards. So I'd go back to Kobe. I'd go back to Le- LeBron. Uh, keep an eye on LeBron's card prices because they're continuing to dip. Uh, he's got the injury, obviously. I wouldn't buy them at the very moment when we're recording this, because they're still sliding down. But the second they start to stabilize, I'd be looking in that sports card investor app every single day and looking at the charts. The second they start to stabilize, I would buy back into LeBron, oh, yeah. Kobe. Uh, Michael Jordan has softened a little bit compared to where he was. The iconic card market was on fire in December, January, and February. The prices broke, shattered all-time highs. And then the second half of February and then all of March they the prices slid back because they it got a little overheated yeah. it got a little crazy like the prices just hit levels that were just like extra you know extra crazy so they've started to slide back but i've seen recently that kobe's prices have have it seems like they've stabilized now they've been flat for about the past 10 days okay um and uh so i i think what we're seeing is i think they're going to remain flat for a little while and then i think you're going to see him slowly start to rise again and so I think if you want to get in, this is a great time at this moment to buy some of those guys. Now, it may be different two months from now, three months from now, four months from now. But I think buying some of those guys at this moment uh, makes a good long-term investment. And I think there's potential within basketball to be buying some of the modern players who could make playoff pushes. Yeah. Now's the time to do it. A lot of their cards are flat, too. Uh, but mm-hmm. if they make a lot of noise in the playoffs in a couple of months, their cards are most likely going to be 
you know, spiking. Right. I mean, all it takes is one big moment. Like Luka Doncic, she had like that game-winning shot yep. in the playoffs last year, and his prices just went pew, yep. like overnight. Everybody's like, look at that guy. I remember watching that shot. I was cheered about it. I didn't know much about sports cards at the time, but that was great. If you're going to buy somebody right now, I do like that feedback. You've got LeBron, Kobe. Those are great cards to buy. Some of the Jordans, hopefully they'll come back and be valuable at some point here. They're, they're kind of softening, but I love the Kobe cards right now. And I, even if LeBron retired right now, I've said this before, like it, his cards are always going to have value. So even though they're dipping right now because he has an injury, come on. He's won all these championships. He's going to be back. He's super healthy. So it's, it, it does feel like it's a bit of a false alarm here on the dip. So might might be a good time totally to buy pretty soon here. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Well, Jeff, thank you for being on the What's Inside podcast today. We have had a blast. We've been here all day. We filmed three videos: two for our channel, one for his channel, and then also a video podcast. So wherever you listen to this, whether it's Spotify or Apple, iTunes, we ha- actually at this point we haven't even released any of our podcast yet. So make sure you give it a follow. And um, if you want to see some of the clips, we will have these on YouTube. Also, we'll have the podcast on our What's Inside podcast channel. So make sure you check out the sports car investor on YouTube and also all of the apps that he has. If you really are serious about buying sports cards, this isn't just a plug. He's not paying me to say this. Um, You need to have the resources that help you make educated decisions so that you don't just burn your money. And there's a lot of low-hanging fruit and opportunity for you to make a lot of money or to be able to buy the cards that you want to keep in your personal collection for a long time. But you need to be armed with the data. And the data, a lot of it is with the Sports Card Investor app or the Market Mover software, which is something that that you can find the link in the bio on their page. So um, thanks, Jeff. You're great. Dan, it's been great. Really appreciate it. We'll see you uh, maybe at the card show in June. I'll say hi with your team while you're out there at the national show. (laughs) Good. We're looking forward to it. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening. Bye.